talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my absolute privilege to talk to people from the world of contemporary Christian and worship music. And this week, I've got to say, we have got a guest whose music is absolutely beautiful. I am so delighted to bring her over here to the UK and to our partner stations worldwide. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to tell you too much because she's got some stories that she'd love to share. So let's hear the first track from her right now. That first track, it's You Remain and it's Meredith Malden. And that was You Remain by Meredith Malden. Meredith, hi, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm very pleased to meet you. It's my first time of having you on the show. Um, but your music will be very familiar to lots of our listeners because uh, obviously you're a name in your own right doing music, but you're very heavily associated with Upper Room, which is for many people a very well-known brand. But they won't know quite how you fit into the whole thing necessarily, which would be great to hear. But I'd also like to hear your personal testimony, your own story of a little bit of your journey, really. So if you're happy yeah. to tell us, rewind time, start wherever you think you'd like to start uh, and tell us how Jesus has fitted into your life or how your life, maybe your life's fitted into Jesus. I'm uh, maybe the <laughs> question's the wrong way around. For yeah. sure. You can go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah, no, my, my story is, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian family for the most part who loved the arts and just have a, a really amazing mother um, who was always very, very supportive. And so I started like singing and acting when I was really young um, and just kind of followed that dream all the way when I was uh, uh, all the way in through high school and, you know, in the college I started doing, um, I got an agent and started doing a ton of acting. I was singing with the 16 piece orchestra when I was 16 and then started traveling, doing jazz music and all this other kind of thing and met my husband um, after a little while. We moved to Los Angeles to be light in the entertainment industry because that's kind of what we felt like. What age was this? Clearly not 16. This was probably in my early 20s. So I went okay. um, I went from like, you know, doing all kinds of movies and voice acting and really um, doing a ton of the entertainment industry. And then uh, met my husband around my early 20s. He was also an actor. So we moved to Los Angeles uh, to be lights in the entertainment industry. But my husband had just had a radical encounter with Jesus. Um, first one, like just, and he was so hungry, like he could not get enough of Jesus. And so we would go to this little um, church that would preach six days a week um, in the morning, a South African pastor, and he would preach the same message every day. It's not your life. Lay down your life. Like it was this message of just like, what does God want to do with your life? And it was like, it's so funny. I grew up in the church, but I've never heard that message. Like, wow, wow it's not about my dream. It's not about what I'm wanting. 
And so we ended up taking this crazy hard left turn and moved to the Middle East doing mission work um, for six months. So hold it now. So the Middle East, that's a very big difference from the entertainment industry in, in the States. Am I allowed to ask which country or is that something we shouldn't discuss on the show? Yeah, no, uh, we went to, we were in Israel, but we lived in the West Bank of Israel. We, uh, so we were on the other side of the wall not on the Palestinian side at the time, um, which was so, I mean, amazing. Like the Lord taught us so much through that and just opened our hearts to so much. Um, but within that, you know, here I'd been pursuing acting for the last 10 years, was really had some amazing open doors. And my husband had all this favor when we were in the Middle East, and I didn't really have a whole lot of favor. <laughs> um, you know, I just, it was like, there was not much for me to do at that time. And so um, it was a struggle because the, the Lord was asking me, would I be willing to stay? And I thought, well, Lord, for the last 10 years, I thought I was following you doing this whole, you know, acting and singing. And I thought this was you. And now you're asking me to give this up. And I don't understand. Um, and rewind just slightly. I, uh, I really didn't want to do Christian music. I know that sounds in that time. Like I thought it was, I just, I don't think I really understood what worship was more than anything. So I was willing to do the world stuff. I'd give my 10% at church, but my call was somewhere different. And in, in the time of being there and the Lord asking me, would I be willing to lay down everything to stay in the Middle East? Um, he came to me. I cried a lot. I was like, I don't understand God. I don't understand. And finally, I was there by myself one cold morning. And I was like, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm willing. I'm willing to lay it down. If this is what you're asking me, I'm going to trust, even though I don't understand. And in that moment, it may not have been, an, it wasn't an audible voice, but it might as well have been. The Lord just came to me. And he was like, you are called to be my worshiper. And in that moment, like it completely changed my world. I mean, it was like everything that I'd gone after, I could care less about. It was like the king of kings who created it all had just asked me to worship him. And I could do that in a closet as well as on a stage. It didn't matter. It was like, it just like the one who created all asked me to sing for him. And so it was such an encounter. My voice changed. Like I sang different. It was just like I aligned up with who I was called to be as a worshiper. And I'll be a worshiper forever. Like that identity never has to go away because in heaven, we'll still be worshipers. And so uh, we had that happen. And, and my husband had an encounter as well uh, regarding worship during that time. And so the last 17 years of our life, we have gone after what does it look like to worship the Lord? What does it look like to, to truly bless his heart and, uh, and minister to him? And so that has been a little bit of our, our journey. And so that's part of what we explored at the Upper Room. I was the worship director there for seven years. Oh, I'm going to pause you. Don't tell me about that yet. I want to know. Oh, okay. But it's <laughs> honestly, this is like amazing, amazing things you're talking about because you're talking that you've words of encounter uh, and God, God yeah. sort of speaking to you about who he's calling you to be. Now, not all of our listeners will know what you mean by encounter. So can you explain to me encounter with God, what's that look like for you and your husband? What do you mean by it? Yeah. I mean, my husband's encounter was very almost visionary. Like, I mean, his was like, he saw a picture of what happens when we worship that rocked his world. For me, like for me, it wasn't a vision per se. It was like, 
it was like, I just felt like there was this invitation. It wasn't a voice, but it, it felt like a voice. It was so clear that he just said, would you be my worshiper? And, or I'm calling you to be a worshiper. And when God speaks something to you, it's like, it carries so much more weight. It has like a revelation that like opens up your understanding. And so before I didn't have an understanding of really what we did when we sang in church. It's like, okay, we're singing some songs. Well, this changed it for me. Like all of a sudden I realized when we're singing to him, like heaven is, is, is responding and it's opening our hearts to see actually who God is and encounter his goodness, which changes us. Wow. You know, I would imagine there's lots of people who, and I'm going to, I think I need to include myself in this, have often gone along to church and sung lots of songs and we believe the words we're singing, but don't have the, this amazing sort of connection that you're describing of heaven sort of coming down almost. I, I, I think that that must be an extraordinary thing, but you talked about something that you've been journeying in and something because you didn't quite know what it was to be a worshiper. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment to say, I can't sing. Little secret, no, no, everyone assumes I'm musical because I do a music show. I can't, <laughs> can't, can't sing for toffee, as, as we'd say. So, um, but that doesn't mean that I can't be a worshiper because it, I, I'm sure it can't just be about singing. And I, and I know uh, Romans 12 would, would tell me that I can offer myself as, uh, as a living sacrifice to God. And that can be uh, my spiritual act of worship. So, but I love being in, in corporate worship settings when people are singing and their voices are beautiful. And I love singing, but I sing a little bit more quietly most of the time because I don't want people around to go, that's not an angel singing. <laughs> but, but, but God changed your voice. God gifted you and called you to something that sounds just amazing. And you started to mention upper room. And upper room is something that lots of people will know of because they know the name and they they might say upper room oh that's that band that did this song or that song now i've spent some time looking into upper room because i knew you were coming on the show and i've actually been on the youtube and joined in on on the live feeds upper room if you think upper room is just a band you are missing out on what upper room is all about so could you tell us you you, you were in the middle east you then felt to called to be a worshiper, to be God's worshiper, he invited you to be that amazing. You didn't stay in the Middle East, even though you were laying everything down. T tell me, you just began to start to say about upper room. Tell, tell us more. Yeah, well, right after we ended up getting called back to Dallas, we felt like that after my husband uh, uh, had his kind of encounter with worship, which is a whole nother story. And I need to have him tell you one day because it's fantastic. He would be very welcome on the show. It'd be very interesting. <laughs> Um, but, um, I wanted to mention one thing that you kind of said beforehand is like a worshiper is not just a musician. And funny enough in the story where God says he's looking for worshipers, he's looking for in spirit and truth who will worship in spirit and truth. That word worshiper actually means adorer. So it doesn't actually even like, he's not looking for musicians. He's not just looking for singers. He's looking for those who will adore him. And, and we can all be that. And that doesn't all have one expression either. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't have to just be a singing expression. It doesn't have to be a musical expression. There's so many expressions when we truly like have eyes for him. So I wanted to encourage with that, but yes, we moved back to Dallas. Um, 
And uh, what, what year was that? That was goodness gracious, uh, 2006. We have actually a lot of stories in between that because we didn't end up starting the upper room until goodness, it was uh, 2010, 11. So there's a whole little section in there where God had a whole other thing that we were doing and it was amazing. Still part of the journey and part of the worship journey. Um, but we met Michael Miller and Larissa. Those are the people who started Upper Room not too long after. Um, and their hearts, they had, um, their hearts were to start a prayer room that was uh, morning, noon, and night. Because um, that's what David said. He said, I worship morning, noon, and night. I come to you. And so we started, they started just doing prayer um, prayer over a city vet, funny enough. So it was a vet clinic for animals. And above it, somebody gave him a fully furnished upper room. He was given a word that he was going to have a fully furnished upper room. Somebody gave him an upper room. And uh, so it literally was an upper room over the, overlooked the city. And uh, so we just started praying, 6 a.m. prayers times. And then we'd meet on Sunday nights just to, to pray. And honestly, God just started encountering, coming and, and meeting us in those times. And so for the about five years um, when we were there, um, the Lord had told us not to do any cameras. There was no social media. Our website only had our address on there. It was really about us just coming together and praying and worshiping and blessing Him. And so we really just um, went after that, like with nobody looking, nobody around. We didn't know how people found out about us. It was just one of those things that people found out God was coming and they wanted to come too. And and so Upper Room, though it sounds like a band, it isn't a band. It is a group of people that are just passionate to love Jesus and to worship him and sing from that place. So they have, I don't know, like 60 hours of prayer now um, during the week where they just have worship sets and people just come um, during those sets and we just all worship and pray. It's pretty amazing. See, and I think that sounds really amazing. I've had, because I've joined in online, had, had a, a peek into that as it were. For some people though, they might go, well, I, I know I've, I've been to church all my life and the priest says a prayer at the front and we say amen and well that that's in the morning i quickly say please bless my day god amen sort of prayer you've been on a journey of yes. prayer worship intercession can you explain for somebody who's maybe outside of this context just unpack it a little bit again encountering god praying for a significant amount of time first question that i'm trying to think i'm trying to think what people might be asking how do you not get bored See, that's a great question. How do you not get bored? It's so crazy, though, because before, whenever I thought church was one thing and maybe I hadn't experienced in certain churches, it would seem kind of boring. I was like, man, all we're going to do in heaven is just sing. You know, like sit on a cloud and sing. That doesn't sound very fun. But man, Jesus is the most amazing, like entertaining, like there's nothing that's more magnetic than him. And when you start to get a little glimpse, like you can't help but want more. And we just discovered through, as we would come together and it's, it's not your traditional model. You know, we don't have someone just at the front who's just going to say a prayer for you or, you know, that you kind of just join in. A lot of what times what we're doing is, um, we call it like, there was like a long time ago in the tabernacle of David in the old Testament, they set up people for 24 hours a day to their whole job was to just give thanks. That was their whole job, like just to tell God, thank you. So we're like, wow, if that was actually doing something there, then what, what is thank you doing? 
Like, and so we just started to explore that. Okay, we're just going to come in and start to thank God for what he's done. And then we realized when we started to thank, when we would start to get our hearts in a place of like, not just thank you the word, but like our hearts in a place of thank you for doing this, God. Thank you for the, for, for, you know, healing my heart. Thank you for, for just even the little things in our life, you know, like, wow, thank you that I have breath in my lungs, you know, thank you that I have hope in my soul, you know, just starting to pray and, and thank for these little things that your heart starts to open. Like it's hard not to come alive. If I came up to you right now and said, Gordon, thank you so much for creating a show that allows God to move hope in people's souls, like for sacrificing and, and taking the time that you do. Does that not move your heart a little bit? Like you're like, Oh uh, yeah, it, yeah does. it does. You just go, Oh, it's, it's lovely. It's lovely to be appreciated, isn't it? Totally. So, and, and when we start to do that to God, our hearts open, but there's something about heaven being attracted to the praise of Jesus. And I don't know what happens, but watch, I guarantee, I guarantee if you start in the morning, start your day, just write 10 things that you're thankful for and say them out loud. Watch your whole day shift. Wow. There's something about saying thank you to God. You know what? That is such a simple thing to be able to do. In fact, every single one of our listeners right now could 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 make a note to go, oh, a mental note, get a pad, get a piece of paper in the morning, write down some things you're thankful for. It wouldn't take that long to think of 10 things really. But if it shifts your day and starts your focus to be different, and in fact, you know what, even if right now you don't even know if you're a Christian or not, you could still pause to say, these are the things I'm thankful. And if you're there, God, thank you for them. Uh, it could just be friends, family, your job, whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be something clever. Um, but you know what, just, totally. just acknowledging God as a possibility could be a real step forward for people. And then you say, and I'm willing to test you on this because you say that then your, your day could be different. So, and I'm always for looking for ways for God to impact my days. But I've also noticed this when I've been looking at Upper Room, one of the things that has come across is ministering to God rather than what I would more normally encounter with people where they're saying, oh, we're looking for God to help us with this and meet our need with that. And I thought that's a very interesting thing to to see. And again, I think it's about what you're saying about um, having that dialogue with God and all the rest of it, but wanting to bless him. And that sounds like a really upside down thing a bit wanting to bless god like the people singing in the tabernacle for 24 hours ministering thanks and praise to god it's it's unusual to think of us ministering to god it to god. just yeah. sounds a little bit a little bit odd respectfully yeah. a little bit odd and also yeah a little bit like wow and your your example of you saying thank you to me making a show etc that yeah i can i can get that but the idea that I could bless God does sound a little bit, maybe for many of us, a little bit like a stretch. Would God really, really want to, would he receive something from me? I, I guess would be a question on, on lots of people's hearts right now. It could, particularly, you know, life doesn't always go exactly as we plan. We don't always manage to do all the things that we think we need to do to, to please God. So why is God interested in that? Oh. I, it goes, there's so many ways you could go with that. But if you think about it, if he said, 
that he gave his son for us, if he gave his best for us, then that means already that he's after us, right? Like, and there's nothing else that we really can give to God other than our true thanks and, and our hearts to say, wow, look what you gave to us. Like we can't actually give anything back other than our thanks and praise. The Old Testament sacrifices were animals and, and all of that in order to atone for their sin. But if we have Jesus who atoned for our sin, so our modern day sacrifices are just thanksgiving and praise. And it says that we enter in to his gates and his, and his courts with thanksgiving. So there's something connected to when we start to thank him that we grow closer one of the, like, there's something like we're actually entering in to heaven's gates. I know that sounds funny because you're like, how do I enter into heaven? You know, like that doesn't seem right. But if he asked us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, then there is something that's connected when we connect with his, with, with him, like with his, with those prayers. But more, more than anything, I feel like if he's after our hearts, if he would give us his son, then he is absolutely after a relationship with us. And when we just acknowledge that he gave us life, that he gave us his son, and we thank him for it, I feel like it just opens up our hearts, which then opens up the heavens over us. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty cool sounding. Uh, and in fact, I would just quickly say one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Meredith, yeah. but I, I, I don't think you're trying to peddle um, upper room and churches of upper room sort of modern style of worship music as being the way to have this intimacy with God. Am I right in thinking that you would agree with the statement that you could be singing old style hymns, but still be blessing God in this way and receive blessings. So you can, it's not that you have to sing a certain style of music yeah. or dress a certain way or be going to a particular type of church uh, to actually have these encounters for yourself with, with Jesus. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. It's a heart posture. I mean, he's after the hungry is what it said. Like even the woman at the well, she was all the things that weren't typically right. You know, she was the person, she wasn't a man. She wasn't uh, at that time a Jew. She wasn't even a, she was a Samaritan, <laughs> you know, like she was all these other things yep. that she wasn't supposed to be. And Jesus was the one who gave her the message about worship that the father was seeking. If he gave her a message about worship and said, it's not about a place, but it's about your heart, then that's any of us. And it can be at any place. We can find the Lord wherever we're looking. Like if we can, if we're looking, we'll, we can find him. But I just have found that one of the easiest ways is with a thankful heart, because that's acknowledging, thankfulness is acknowledging something that somebody else has done for you. And so I always say like, if you want to be stay humble because the Lord is attracted to the humility, like then stay thankful because thankfulness is constantly just acknowledging something that somebody else has done for you. That is a real encouragement. I've got so many questions off the back of the things that you yeah. shared. I could talk perhaps the ages. I, I really want to hear more about Upper Room and your journey there, but I wonder whether or not perhaps you should tell us about the second track that you've got for us, because this is part of an album that you did with Upper Room. Uh, the whole, in fact, all three tracks, they're, they're from your, it came out in the summer 2022. We were recording this in November, 2022. Um, so tell us about the track you gave. 
you gave. Yes. I mean, actually, some of what we're even talking about right now just goes with that. It's like he came for us even when we didn't have anything to give. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that he didn't say, hey, when you get it together, that's when I'm going to come and meet with you. He came when we were a mess. Like he came to the cross when we, because we couldn't do it ourselves. And so this song just always reminds me because it, even growing up as a Christian and, you know, living a pretty like good, you know, quote, quote, good life, you know, realizing that no matter what, we can't do it on our own. We are all in need of a savior. And when we realize that, that he's the one who came and did it for us, it's so hard not to just want to worship at his feet. And so that's what this song is about. And it's just that overflow, how beautiful he is that he would come and save us in our mess and not be ashamed of us. And that was You Gave by Meredith Mulden. Thank you so much, Meredith, for everything that you shared so far on the artist interview. It's great to hear a little bit of your story. I'm looking forward to hearing more of it. But before we move on, it'd be wonderful right now if you were happy just to take a couple of minutes to pray for listeners. Absolutely. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you meet us no matter where we are, that you're willing to come where we are to meet us where we are. You're not saying, get yourself together. You're just saying, look at me, call to me, and I will answer. For those who are weary and heavy weight laden, I will give you rest. Lord, thank you for being our rest, for being our hope, for being our life, for wanting to meet us, um, for just washing us clean and being who you are. Lord, I ask right now for anybody who feels hopeless, for anyone who is feeling down and depressed and just feels like, man, there's no way that Jesus could come find me. Lord, I ask that in this moment that they would know that they have a Savior who's just waiting, waiting, waiting to, to encounter them, to, to touch them, to say, I am after your heart and I love you and I was willing to die for you. You so that um, so that you could live and have life. Lord, we thank you that you are the hope, you are the way, and you are the life, and that your peace passes all understanding. So Lord, I ask that you would just touch each and every heart that is longing to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Meredith, uh, you know, we've barely, barely touched on Upper Room. We've talked, we've talked mostly about God, and it's been wonderful, but uh, I'm sure people would also like to hear about that journey of Upper Room, about how on earth it changed from being that small meeting effectively to being a worldwide influence. And if I look on, if I, if I look on YouTube, so you mentioned not, not having any cameras or anything, but if you look on YouTube, some of, some of the videos that have come out of Upper Room, I think that they're, they're over 10 million views and it's huge figures. Um, the, and on Spotify, looking at the plays, you can see this is stuff that is, touching, impacting, being well-received all over the place. I've got to hear more of the story of how that happened from being a room above a vet. Yes, absolutely. So funny. So 
Um, I always like to encourage, you know, new songwriters, new, new worship leaders, because when I started at the Upper Room and I was their director, nobody at the Upper Room was writing songs. They weren't, you know, they weren't doing any of that. But at the prayer room, um, when you have a two hour session uh, where you're just worshiping and, and thanking the Lord and, you know, after you've played five or six songs, you kind of run out of material <laughs> and you're like, wow, okay, what's on my heart? And so we started really exploring singing to the Lord, you know, just out of our own, our own heart and our own mind, you know, in, in the times in between songs and, and whatnot that would, you know, lead us into prayers, which would, you know, then lead into another song. And, and so I just started saying, you know what, guys, we're getting all these little pieces of songs that are so special that we're like all singing together that our own original pieces, you know, of like our heart that the Lord is giving us in those moments, we need to start stewarding those. And so I started these, like, I called them writing intensives. So I'd bring all the worship leaders together and I'd say, all right, we're going to finish out a song once a week. So you have to write a song once a week for six weeks. And I would make them do, and then we're going to share our songs each week and what we did. And, um, and so we started doing that and, I had no idea at the time what it was going to do. Like I thought, okay, we'll get some songs done and we'll grow together and whatnot. But I realized, man, when we started sharing our hearts and songs and where they were coming from and stuff, we started growing in such crazy celebration and unity for each other. Like instead of competing against each other, we all of a sudden now we're like, oh, I know where that song came from. And wow, you need to sing that on Sunday. And, you know, and everybody needs to hear that and encouraging each other and all that kind of stuff started happening. And so we started singing our own original songs that were coming from the prayer room and and, and into Sunday. And then I was like, oh, Lord, you've given us these beautiful gems of songs. We need to record them. And so I, you know, put together the recording and I put together some of their label and publishing, which was a massive undertaking. Um, it's really funny because to put together a label, it, it is, it's not a small thing at all. No, I say I was, did, did, I was, did you feel God saying create a label or did you in faith take a journey on that? I totally take, took a journey on that. I took a journey on that. I learned a lot. I mean, it's gone developed and changed and all that stuff way over time. Um, I always said that I was, I was smart enough to knew that the business side needed to come in play, but I was dumb enough to think that I could do it, do it somehow myself. <laughs> but, you know, that's part of the learning process. You know, we don't have it all together and we don't have it all figured out. And we've journeyed a lot through that. Um, I don't even know if I needed to do that in the beginning, but, you know, I digress. <laughs> I learned a lot. Uh, but within that, we still didn't have, we still hadn't felt released to like um, do YouTube videos or any of those kinds of things. But our pastor of the church, you know, for the five years, we'd had no media, no cameras, no, no, none of that. And he had a really strong dream where the, the Lord said, I, want you to start basically dripping into culture what is happening here at the upper room. And so then we just recorded our couple moments on our Sunday nights is what we call moments. It was just like, I think we put out tremble and then we had a moment of like um, surrounded the, it may look like I'm surrounded. Um, it was just a spontaneous moment that happened after one of our services. Now, now that's a song that a lot of people will think Corey Asbury wrote from Bethel Music. He, so he didn't write it. Who wrote it? Uh, Elissa Smith did. Yeah. 
She did. She yeah. did. And it's uh, absolutely. So, so yeah, the, the track Surrounded, um, Fight My Battles, is absolutely amazing track. So it came out of Upper Room. Great, great example, really, of the sort of thing that starts in a spontaneous moment. How does it go from being a spontaneous moment, though, to being this track that's sung worldwide in churches? That's the crazy God part of it. Um, so they just put that moment out on on Instagram, not Instagram, but YouTube, and it went viral. And then Michael W. Smith called us and said, um, could could I do this song? <laughs> he actually <laughs> called me and I was like, yeah, his, his manager found, you know, who was in charge of it. And I was in charge of the music at the time. So he called and said, you know, would we be able to do your song? And so I asked Alyssa and Alyssa was like, yes, sure. And so, and he was very kind and, um, so yeah, he, he ended up taking the song and just, you know, putting it out there even more and was so kind about it too. Just so, such a great guy. Michael W. Smith is a real man of honor, honor to listen through the whole process, which is amazing. Cause we were just a small little church, you know? Yeah. Small little church, but with a big heart to chase God, isn't it? And it's out of that heart. I think that things have, have developed. Are, are there things along that journey? I, 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 I want to just ask about hiccups, um, not, not literal hiccups, but but when something is being birthed in this manner and God is taking something forwards, there are often potholes in the road that we don't anticipate. What have been the challenges in that process? Obviously, you mentioned about not knowing all of the thing, but also there's going to be, I think, opposition as well with people, even where you mentioned about changing culture, uh, about dripping into culture. There's, there's people who hate that sort of stuff. Absolutely hate it. And just, just recently on the 100%. news here, I was reading about somebody who is wanting to be uh, an MP in our parliament. And then his own party has heard that he's um, a Christian believer. And the, the, the area that he would get to represent, they're, they're turning on him and trying to get him uh, deselected de because, because he's a believer. So there can be an awful lot of opposition things. Have there been moments where it's felt like, so we're talking about surrounded and fight our battles. Have there been moments when it's felt like a huge battle? Yeah. I mean, I think no matter what, I mean, it's always going, there's always going to be different battles. And one of the things I always say, you know, especially for people who, you know, think with worship leaders and they look like they're these big stars and, you know, everything's going so easy for them and all that kind of stuff. Like you really have no idea the cost that it carries. I was like, I feel like the only reason that the upper room, because people thought they just showed up and, you know, it was like, boom, they blew up. And I was like, oh no, this has been five to seven years of growing deep roots with the Lord, you know, in secret when nobody knows. The roots are what sustain a tree in the fruit. People are seeing the fruit and they're like, wow, that's so awesome. But they don't realize how long it took for the roots to grow deep and to, and to go from the storms, you know? And then there's new storms that come when the fruit is visible, you know, because there's all kinds of things. I always say exposure exposes. It exposes the good stuff and it exposes the bad stuff, you know? And it's like, it, it just sheds light on things that maybe were hidden in our hearts. And it shows light on the amazing things as well. I mean, it's, it's no respecter. It's just like, you know, and so it's one of those things that there was a lot to navigate relationally. There was a lot to navigate as a church. Are we wanting the music to go out forward? What about our prayer room? You know, then you're, you think it's, a, so there's a lot of navigating within that, but I will say the biggest navigation actually, even for me is as it was coming on the scene, um, I felt like the Lord and my husband and I together, um, 
we felt like the Lord said, okay, now you've got to, it's time to go. And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> like right now, I mean, he, he gave us, I mean, and it's a whole long story, but he said, put your Moses in a basket and let it go down the river. And, and I mean, upper room was my baby, you know, <laughs> like it was my, those were my worship leaders. We grew together. You know, we started all this together. We were in the prayer room together for so long. And, and then for him to say, I have something else for you was like a death for me Wow! and it really was it was like having to lay something down that i loved so much and not knowing why he was asking me to go somewhere else when i'd grown this and actually funny enough the song you remain um was a lot of my what i cried out to a lot like that that when i see your face i wish i'd given more away like don't let me waste a trial don't let me miss the chance to praise like that song became my anthem in that season of letting go and letting wow. and remembering that I can't outgive God. Like there's nothing I can do to outgive him and I'll never regret the things that I give to him. So when he was asking me to lay down the upper room and trust him with it, that he was going to take care of me and he was going to take care of upper room. Wow. And so it was a, it was a, that was a really hard time for me. Um, but I also knew that the Lord was going to do something in the middle of it. I didn't know how and I didn't know what. So, but he did meet me. It, well, I guess if you've had that moment of encounter, he's met you, then you can have peace about whatever follows. Whether it's, it, I've talked to people who had big success and then God took it away. And they thought something else would come and nothing else has come. They've, they, but they've had still that intimacy walking forwards with God and not been unhappy either, which has been something you go, isn't that, isn't that amazing actually? Cause you are on big, big stages and now you're just the worship leader and yet you're so content and full of peace. And that relationship yes. with God is still, is still there. And that's, that's just wonderful. So actually it's, um, and that's better than anything else anyway. Like if you're on a stage with no peace, is it worth it? <laughs> you know, if you're on a stage and not meeting with the Lord, is that worth it? To me, it's not. I'd rather be in the center of where he wants me than on a big stage with a lot of like, yay, you know, awe and, you know, whatever for people, which really will never be enough. So I'd much rather be where God wants me and with him than on a big stage or whatever I think looks like success to the world. What, what are you up to now then? If God's called you to move on and there's been that wrestle and your album with Upper, Upper Room came out last summer, what's God called you into? Yeah, so I have, um, I have been doing this thing called Song Lab. And it's basically what I did at the Upper Room um, in those like seven years, I packed all the little, all the things that I learned. I mean, obviously not all of it, but like into a little weekend and I've just opened it up and invited worship leaders from wherever, you know, I just kind of post, Hey, we're going to hold an event. And if you'd like to come, um, we're going to, we're going to learn how to worship together. I'm going to teach on worship. I'm going to teach on songwriting. Cause I feel like it's, there's such power in you singing your own song to the Lord, you writing your own testimony to the Lord. Um, and so I've just kind of opened it up and I've started this thing called song lab where we meet for a weekend and a half worship leaders from all over the place come together in a weekend and we worship and songwrite and man share songs and it's just electric is like what i like to call it <laughs> on, on your face i can just see so much joy over that is 
I can't, I can't play an instrument, I can't sing. I want to go. Oh, so, <laughs> my, I've got to say, I, I do sing. I do sing in the shower to God and I write my own lyrics because I've run out of remembering what the right words should be to song. And, and, then, and then my wife will wonder and she, it does just make her crack up laughing because really it's not my gifting. It really isn't. But, um, but I think God still likes it anyway. So I'm, I'm not going to stop right now. Um, so Song Lab, is it coming to the UK? Man, I actually have been talking a little bit about that, but it's not official just yet. But it would be awesome if it did, because uh, I think UK okay. has a sound that needs to come out. So, so could I could I say that unofficially people heard it here first, because it's not official? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so possi- possibly that's something that we should really look forward to. If people are wanting to find out about Song Lab, uh, how do they find out about it? Um, you can go to my website, which is songlabmsc.com, or our Instagram is songlabmsc. Um, and then, or you can look me up, which is meredithmalden.com or meredithmalden on my Instagram. Okay, quite quite findable. Shouldn't shouldn't be too hard for people to connect. So Songlab, no. just look up Meredith Malden. You'll you'll get there. Okay, that, you'll get that, there. That, that, that's easy. So. In this coming season, what do you think God's key priority for you is? That's a great question. We have really been praying into that um, a lot. My husband just put out a documentary, um, funny enough, and so that we've—I've been trying to support him on that a lot. Um, Go on, going, I've got a. What's the documentary about? Um, it is called "Get Ready for This Super Spreader." Woo-hoo! It really documents. Uh, I know. It is, is, is it about jam, peanut butter? Things exactly. Like people are really good at sandwich making. Yeah, yeah okay. no, it's about 2020, um, all the things that happened within that. But there was a guy who did a worship movement within it outside. Oh. He did all these worship um, movements. So it's kind of from his perspective, but it kind of tells the whole narrative of 2020. I think, um, we, had him on, I think we had him on the show. Sean Foy? Yeah, we had Sean on the show. Oh, yeah. We did. Yeah, so it's a movie about his life. Um, it, was, it was a while ago. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, what, is, what, 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 did, what did your... For for those people who are listening who who haven't heard and I, it's a while back, but Sean came on the show and he talked about the fact that he was going out in towns and and cities in the states and wanting to be able to worship Jesus freely despite the fact that there was COVID going on. So so and they were praying and they wanted to see the freedom of religion yeah i think freedom to be able to exercise their rights to to worship um uh what, what did what's the has the documentary come out what does yes. it say um so it is it is all about that so it's basically you know it gives the narrative it gives all the perspectives all the things we had to navigate are we hurting other people are we you know is the, what's the right thing to do should we just comply or should we worship but then i think we were also seeing all the suicide from the isolation all the depression all the medication like all the things that were happening and where do we find hope but within the church like jesus is our hope and so they thought the movement a lot of times was very political but really it was a lot more biblical than we we just would come together we would worship jesus they would give a pray for people who needed prayer they baptize people if they wanted to be baptized there was such a hunger because people were so lonely you know and taken away from everything that kept them busy and so you start to deal with your own you know what's really going on and so the movie just kind of 
shows all that was happening at first, but then you get to see what guards started doing. You got, you start seeing that were, you know, people that were getting free from suicide, people that were getting free from depression, you started seeing all these things started happening. And so that's what this movie is. It shows, you know, it's not showing that it doesn't actually have a narrator. So it's not saying that the opinions of you get both sides of the opinions. Um, but then you just get to see what God was doing and the ways that li- lives were affected. Um, through these massive gatherings of worshippers. Yeah, and and being outside, uh, the outside space is a lot safer space to be than being inside. Uh, I think there's, from my understanding, there's a there there is unfortunately a whole load of political baggage that comes into play as well, and the the move to have rights and freedom within the American society can become very polarized as to what is what is our freedom here. At which point it can it can attract people who actually might then have a whole sort of narrative that's different from just the narrative of the Jesus story 100%. within it. So just want to try and sensitively say that out there that you'll you'll find all sorts of information and disinformation uh, about about what was going on. So I love a move of God. Um, uh, in the UK, we locked down, our church was shut, but God did a whole new thing with with the internet. Um, and I think you, the UK uh, was probably quite a different place and still is a very different place to, to the States. So, but that sounds like a fascinating documentary. So anyone who wants to go and uh, find it, it's called Super Spreader. Is that what you said? Yes. And it's not out on streaming just yet. It was it's the, a theatrical release. And now um, in between, there's like a 90 day clause before it starts to go to the um, before it starts to go to streaming. So you won't be able to just see it just yet. But. That's cool. Right. So, so your husband's been doing a documentary. Mm hmm. Now I've got to ask you about it because I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to ask you about what else do you do yourself and you've done for a little while? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I have done the voice of um, Android 18 on Dragon Ball Z, a very popular um, anime character. Dragon anime Ball show. Z. Yes. You, are the, you, are, you are one of the voices of Dragon Ball Z. I am the English dub for Dragon that, Ball Z. That is pretty awesome so <laughs> uh, uh, but now now any fans right now will be entertained going really wow that's so cool but for those people who don't know the the program i don't want to go too in depth here could you just do a little bit of the sort of thing that your character might say in your character's voice oh in my character's voice okay how sad to work so hard for so little <laughs> 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 okay so so dragon ball z fans right now going that's amazing so um so cool okay and so and you do that because it pays the bills i guess uh and you enjoy it how on earth did you land that gig then so funny enough and uh one right out of high school funny enough like i was a, a director friend of mine i was doing a theater show and he was like hey they're looking for voices at this you know cartoon thing you should go audition and we're like okay and we were just right out of high school and it was before it was really big and it was really before they went through agencies and it was like as popular as it was so me and my really good friend went and auditioned because you know we were getting into the whole acting thing and I ended up booking the character and had no idea that it was going to be as popular as it is and had no idea that 22 years later I would still be doing it <laughs> but that's extraordinary I what a know. run I mean it's crazy that it's been so long and it's grown because the even when I'd recorded the show back in 2000 when how when was it uh, not 2000 um I think 
it was already done. Like the show had already been written for like 10 years. So for them to start writing new episodes and movies all those years later, it was pretty shocking. I had no idea that I'd come back and do it again. So Wow. Oh, that's, I, I, that is a, a fun and crazy fact, really. So I thank know. you for sharing. So a very fun fact. Everybody's like, well, they either find out they're like, whoa, Android 18's a worship leader, or it's the opposite. They're like, our worship leader is a voice <laughs> that is that is pretty cool so i i think kudos is the right right word to use at at that moment talking to some of the best names in contemporary christian music this is the hope fm artist interview um meredith with regards to the bible um so we've talked about singing but obviously the bible is the foundation of of where we go to make sure that what we're singing about is true can you tell me is there is there a bible story or character that you go, oh, that's really blessed me. That's one that God keeps on pointing out to me. And is there maybe a, a, a person in the Bible who you most relate to, not King David? Not King David. Yeah, then mine is definitely the woman at the well. I just have felt so much um, revelation on that story of what I teach and gives me permission to not be perfect yet know that if I'm hungry to know and hungry to, to know the Lord, that he'll have a gift of revelation for me, that he would be willing to encounter me, even if I'm not perfect, even if I don't have it all together, even if I don't know exactly the right way to do it. I feel like that gives so many people hope because we're like, well, what's the right way to like worship or what's the right way to, to whatever it is. And it's like, he's like, I'm not looking for as much the right way as a heart that wants to know. And that story is a woman who wants to know, even though she doesn't have it to all together. And that gives me hope to be like, hey, I don't have it all together, but I want to know. And he'll meet me in that. That's great. And what's interesting as well with the woman at the well is she wants to know, but she doesn't even really know what it is that she wants to know. There's that, there's that, I, I, tell me who you are. I want to, I want to know, but what she gets is so much more than she could possibly ever imagined. So um, what an extraordinary, extraordinary encounter and what an encouragement for all of us, because my listeners would have heard me say this many times. I believe that there is always more and always more. We, we can go deeper with God than we've ever dreamed. And there's an invitation that calls us in. So it doesn't matter if you are a baby Christian or if you've been a Christian for 50, 60 years, there's still, God calling you into what you've described, I think, as encounters uh, and meeting with him. And that, to me, sounds like a great invitation. It's something that I want to personally follow up on as well, making sure that uh, for however many years God's got left for me, how many days, months, I've got no idea. I want to make sure that I don't miss those opportunities to, to encounter yes. him. So, um, And it's been just refreshing uh, hearing you speak about your experience with God. Has there been a time where you felt not 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 like, that God's not getting you, but a moment where you've, you've had to almost wrestle with God other than when you were in Israel laying everything down, not, not necessarily laying down, but you're going, God, this is how I feel about this and you don't yet get it properly. Because logically we know he does, but sometimes internally there can be like that tussle where we're like, oh no, it's worse than I imagined. God, this is not what was meant to happen. Man, I feel like, you know, I think that there's always that wrestle. I think where I have wrestled oftentimes the most is if, if I was trying to follow and then something failed 
You know, you're like, whoa, did I miss it, Lord? Did I, did I not hear well? You know, where did I go wrong on this when my heart is always to follow? And I, I feel like within that wrestle, I felt like the Lord so many times, and it's not always right away, but in my failures, when I'm like, I obviously missed God somehow. Like I obviously, because this failed, I missed God and have been broken by that. And then either a little while later or years later, the Lord will show me how specifically that was him and how he used it. That Romans 8.28 thing, that he'll turn all things for our good. Like all those who are called, he'll make all things turn for our good. Not only that, like, so there's, we always have that hope that like, even if I messed up and I didn't hear right and I did it wrong, that he can still turn that for good. But the, the tension of, but Lord, I thought I was following and it still didn't turn out how I thought, you know, like that, those moments, then he shows me later how that was this beautiful not even just a lesson, and but a lesson, you know, that I'm constantly using now. Wow. And, you know, it's an interesting one as well, because failure in our eyes is so often very different from failure in God's eyes as well. We can... Yes. Because you're talking about following him and then something doesn't work out. It was a failure. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it, is it a failure? It's a huge, great big question. If you're obedient to God and something doesn't work out, is that, is that a failure? Uh, I, I just didn't... You just didn't didn't work out how you thought that God should do things. I don't know. It's, it's probably totally. probably there's a mixture of those things sometimes. I will say that some of my hardest seasons where I thought I was failing, I actually look back and say, "Thank God for that. Thank God I would not change it at all." Now it maybe took me a few years to get there, but it's in those hard seasons that I have felt like I've learned the strongest lessons, gained the most revelation, learned the character of God the most, or have come through in another way, or, or seen something else down the road and been like, man, I would have missed that had I been where I thought I was going to be then. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, How about, though, for people who are clinging on to God by their fingernails, life is absolutely dishing its worst at them. What encouragement would you have for those people? My encouragement is that he is close to the brokenhearted. It, it's a promise. And so I have found that in times that are the darkest, and I'm talking like death, you know, things that we've just been like, there's no way that I can get through this. Like I lost my dad when I was very small. And like, there's all kinds of things that just walked through, but I can look back and say, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is still there. Even in the midst of the brokenness, you're not too far. You're not too far gone. And, um, and that he can meet even in the darkest, darkest seasons. You know what, Meredith, if it's okay, would you be happy to pray a prayer for those people right now who just feel in that situation? Absolutely. Lord, I thank you so much that you are the light in the darkness. You are the lighthouse in the storm, in that ship that is lost at sea that feels like it's not going to make it. You're that lighthouse calling saying, ah, come home, come home. It's not too late. Come home. Lord, I thank you that you always provide a way when there is no way. 
Lord, you said that you provide a way. So Lord, I just ask that in your own, in your own miraculous way that you would meet each heart that feels like that there's no hope and you show that there's hope. Lord, I thank you for the messages that you give, that you would speak to each heart that feels like, ah, there's no way that he could meet me, but Lord, that you would make it evident to show them that, oh, you are after their heart and that you are after um, their life, that you paid your life for theirs and that you want to give them a new life, a new heart, a new start, and that not to give up because he's not giving up on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen to that. You know, I'm just reminded of the, the verse where it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not oh, overcome man. it. So whatever darkness you might be feeling around you, God's light still shines and his love is still for you. Thank you so much, Amen. Meredith. So uh, we've got we've got one more track to, to play from you. Uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful piece of music. Uh, I've... I have listened to it a lot. So since oh, since we arranged you. this interview and we um, and we we set this up, I have played it so many times. And I, in fact, I put all three tracks that we've used pops into into a little playlist and just kept it on repeat. And they have blessed me enormously. I've been really encouraged wow. by them. So could you tell the listeners all about home? Why did you write it? What did you want to achieve with it? Um, what's God doing through it? Well, that song to me, um, just the very beginning, I was like, thank you that I can come to you. It's one that I actually would just sing in my own quiet time often. It's that my heart is thankful. Remember, I always say like with, you know, with Thanksgiving, I want to enter in. And I just always remind myself that I'm, I'm able to come. He said, boldly come before the throne of grace. And so it's just reminding my own heart and thanks that I'm able to come and meet with the father. I don't have to have a high priest that meets once a year um, make an atonement, but that Jesus is my high priest and that I have the opportunity to come to my father um, and meet with him. And then it just just leads me to this, this beautiful picture of my father with his arms wide open, waiting to speak to me. And that was Home by Meredith Maldin. And thank you so very much to Meredith for joining us today on the Artist Interview. I hope you really enjoyed and got blessed by that episode. There are many more episodes from loads of great artists that you can enjoy. Just pop onto your favorite streaming platform and search up The Artist Interview. Thanks for joining me, Gordon T. God bless you. some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.